All right, welcome back from retreat, and uh, so good to have our youth group back, and so good to worship with all of you here today um, on this uh, very special day because uh, we get to worship God today. Um, and uh, you know, when the youth group was gone, um, our daughters were gone, and uh, one of the things I try to plan. Um, I was really excited that they were going to retreat um, because they were going to retreat and I didn't know it would be good for them, but I was also excited because um, Sharon and I were going to go on a date on Saturday, so I had to plan something. And um, I knew that our bill would come out to half without my daughters there, so it was, I was excited, like, you know, um, and uh, um, now it's back to double. But, um, you know, so one of the things I planned was I, I said, okay, maybe we'll go watch um, Wicked, right? But we already saw Wicked, but I thought, you know, they have this lotto thing. You can go early, and they have leftover tickets, and they'll, um, they call out your name. And um, I tried that with Carissa, and it failed like 10 years ago. And uh, so I said, well, I'll try it with my wife. And so I said, we have nothing to do, so we had brunch, and we went. And we got there so early that uh, we had all this time to kill. So we're in Hollywood, and we just started walking. I said, well, let's go, let's go where all the tourists are, and we just started walking. And, you know, we just walked like for 40 minutes or so. And it was getting like sunburn, and we walked, and it was such a nice day. And we were just talking about random things, whatever came to mind. It wasn't planned, and we walked down, um, and then we, you know, made a U-turn, had to get back in line, and you know, and put our names in for the the musical and all that. And um, you know, but the highlight really of the whole day, um, I, I think, I was thinking back. It was yesterday. The highlight was our walk. Like it was kind of random and spontaneous, but it was a such a good time for us to talk and. Probably is a highlight, too, because we didn't get called for the tickets, right? So that's another highlight. That probably would have been the highlight, but, um, you know, we want to see that. And um, it was interesting because at the end, they had one ticket left, and I was joking with my wife. I was like, what if? What if we, um, you know, we get called for that one ticket, you know, and i um, kind of joking, well, I'll enjoy it, you know, see you later, or um, whatever it was. Um, but, uh, yeah, just walking together. Um, and so, obviously, I was thinking about this message all week, and um, in the first week of uh, the new year, I was reading Genesis 5 again, and I just remember reading this, Enoch walked with God, right, that he walked with God. And I thought, boy, you know, um, if I could walk with God in 2019, and what does that look like? And we're still in the beginning of the year, and, and we want all of us to really walk with God, to spend the year, spend your life walking with God. And today we look at the life of Enoch, and we look at two passages he's mentioned in, in Genesis 5 and also in Hebrews 11 that we read. And we're going to get an idea of what does walking with God look like? What, what did Enoch do? It's interesting because Enoch, not much is told about him. There aren't chapters and stories like Joseph or Moses or Abraham. There isn't much told about him. Other than the fact that he never faced death, he was taken by God immediately, him and Elijah. He walked with God and God took him, he was no more. And uh, so we see this, and today we want to look at this idea of walking with God, right? And um, kind of a, a three-point message I have for us. One is that uh, the destination, the, the longevity of it, and just the daily part of it, right? And so we want to kind of look at these parts of walking with God. Um, the first thing we see is that uh, God himself is our destination. 
So when we go for a walk or you go for a hike, and some of you are avid hikers and you want to go see the waterfall or you want to go see the view off of the canyon, you have a destination in mind. You are walking somewhere with a destination. There is purpose in how you walk. And this idea of walking in the Bible is the picture of just living, going together with someone, walking with someone, living. Um, that's the idea. And so where are you headed? Which way are you walking? You know, in Galatians 5, it talks about, you know, how the Holy Spirit leads us, you know, in the way we walk. And there's the fruit of the Spirit and there's the, you know, the fruit of the flesh. And so this idea, you could be walking towards God or away from God. Which way are you walking? And uh, do we think about that? Uh, some of us run and some of us hustle. Some of us are so busy without a destination. But we need to have a destination in mind. Enoch's idea of a destination, I believe, was God. I'm going to get to God. I want to walk uh, my life in my life so that I can get there. It's interesting. You get to Hebrews 11.5. The first thing that we see in Hebrews 11.5 is the end of Enoch's life. Not the beginning. Not the middle. Just the end. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. This was the end. He was taken up. Um, and he was not found because God had taken him. So the end is mentioned first. And I think Hebrews, uh, the author of Hebrews, puts this here kind of a, for an emphasis. A reminder that the end is what matters. How you finish is what is so important. Did you go and finish? Did you go in the right direction? And the only thing that happened to him is what God did for him. Because God had taken him. And so here we talk not just about the birth and the process and all of this, but we talk about the destination. We talk about death. He didn't see death. You know, in our pop culture today, I was reading an article that talked about how death is so um, romanticized in a way. You know, uh, they, they quoted about rap stars who died 20 years ago, and yet their, their death is still romanticized, like it was something good or something cool. But yet death is a horrible thing that we all have to endure. Death is something we all have to face. Which way are we going? Right? Where are we headed? And that's such an important part. Now, walking with God, what does that mean? You know, it says here in the text that he pleased God. Right? Uh, verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please him. So this idea that every day he tried to live to please God. Every day he tried to live to please God. And his idea was, boy, I'm going to see God. I want to go and uh, please him and walk in this way. You know, uh, Leon Morris in his commentary on Galatians talks about this idea of walking. And he says this, and I quote him, Even though walking was slow and unspectacular, walking meant progress. If anyone kept walking, she or he would certainly cover the ground and eventually reach the destination. If any believer was walking, that believer was going somewhere. So you're making progress. You're going somewhere. And the question is, is, where are you going? Which way are you going? John Wesley is the, uh, you know, kind of the father of the Methodist church. And uh, when he was alive, one of the things that he, his influence uh, was big on was this idea of um, good deaths, that you would die a good death. And he would preach this and he would talk about this often. Dying a good death, what does that look like? And uh, so the people in his church, as they faced death, and you know, uh, um, the, the doctors even around noticed that their attitude and the way they died was so different. 
And one of the doctors who attended to the people of Wesley's church said this, most people die for fear of dying, but I never met with such people as yours. They are none of them afraid of death, but are calm and patient. And so he, Wesley said, talking about dying well, living well, he said this, you have no time to lose. See that you redeem every moment that remains. Remove everything out of the way, be it ever so small, that might always obstruct your lowliness, meekness, your seriousness of spirit, your single intention to glorify God. And so he kept talking about this idea that, man, time is limited. So live well. Uh, use each day well. Live so you could die peacefully before God. And so we see here that there's a destination, and we're all headed on this journey, on this hike, on this walk, we're going towards God. And we want to be going in the right direction. The second thing that we see about walking with God in our text here is that it's a lifelong marathon, if I could say. It's for the rest of our lives here. We want to walk with God. You know, you go to Genesis 5, and we didn't read this, but Genesis 5, 22 describes Enoch. Uh, it's interesting, right, that uh, you have this genealogy from Adam to Abraham, and in it, everyone is facing death. And they're facing, th this is who their son was. And it's mentioned here, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah. 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That phrase is repeated. Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. It's the bookends of his life. Enoch walked with God. How did it end? He walked with God. What we see here, if you look at it, it tells us in verse 22. So he became a father to his son Methuselah. And then after that point, for 300 years, he walked with God. He lived on earth for a total of 365 years, the text tells us. So at the age of 65, he now becomes a parent. He has a son. And then it is from that point on that he starts walking with God. I think this is a moment. And those of you moms and dads in this room, you remember the moment you had your child. That, it rocked your world, right? It changed everything. You say, boy, this, now I am responsible for this human being, right? I have to take care of them. And it's a moment. And I think that's what happened to Enoch. I think he saw God's hand of creation in this child, a baby that resembled him. And he's, from that moment on, he said, I'm going to live for God. And it was a 300-year journey. And I love that it wasn't some event, something quick or short, but it was a long journey. You know, today in our, with our social media, we live in such a um, post-worthy world. Is it worthy to post? Is this event, was it good? Was my meal good enough to actually post? No, it was just leftovers. I'm not going to post. Was this event good enough to post? And sometimes we think of just those peaks and we think that's it. But here, it was every day. Now you think about this, those of you who have kids, you remember the craziest, most tiring time of your life is when little Junior came along, right? You've never known tired till little Junior came along. You've never known I need a nap as much as when little Junior came along. And so what we see here is Enoch in the midst of all of his fatigue, all of his life changes, um, all of his difficulties, that's when he started. 
And not, it wasn't only just one child, but he had sons and daughters, it tells us. You know, it's interesting that uh, um, he walked with God for this long. You know, some of us, we've now known each other. You know, our church is 11 years old, and some of us, we've known each other almost that whole time. And we've seen how, you know, the young people have grown up and how the older people have grown up, you know. And we've all kind of grown together in different ways. And people who are in their 20s are now in their 30s, and you do the math, right? Uh, but it's, we've done life together a little and it's always an encouragement when you see someone who has now been faithful now for a decade. They've given their 20s, they've given their 40s during that time. Um, and imagine this guy, 300 years, a long time. You know, there's a, it's kind of interesting trivia. I don't know if it's even interesting, it's just trivia, but there's a, what's called a, a centennial light. There is the world's longest lasting light bulb in the world. It's in the Guinness Book of World Records. And it was turned on in 1901, and it's still burning today. So it's like uh, 117 years. This light, 18 years, has been on. It is up at, uh, in Northern California, in Liver, uh, Livermore, California. It's maintained by their police department. There's actually a website. And there's a light bulb cam, so people watch the light bulb to see when is it going to go out. They, they thought it might go out, all right? So some of you tonight have nothing to do, hey, no judgment. You could look at that and go look at the light bulb, right? Uh, it's interesting, right? In May 20, 2013, people who are watching this light cam saw the light go out. So they said, oh, finally the light went out. And I don't know who was watching this, you know, cam, a camera of this, but anyways. Uh, but they said, no, it wasn't the light bulb, it was uh, the wire went out, right? So they replaced the wire and it's back on. So 117, 18 years, this little light is shining. And I think about um, this idea of light, the idea of us being light of the world, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Um, man, if we could just shine in a long, gradual way, and along the years, you have all seen people who have just shined brightly and they turned it off. Come and go. But there's something here about walking with God, shining our light for a long, long time, the value of all of this. If you've ever watched the race, that is not a short sprint, anything that's longer. You all know that in any kind of marathon, the guy who starts fast, Never wins. Right? I mean, they never win. So there's always the guy who is now setting the pace and he's running. And you say, well, you know, he's not going to win. Right? He's not thinking well. He's not planning his race well. He's not conserving his energy well. And there's always someone from the pack that now pulls through and they finish. And the guy who is in the front usually fades. And I want us to think about our whole lives. Right? Those of you who are teenagers, man, the teenagers go so slowly because you, you're a child and you're becoming an adult. And they're so... So much difference happening there. So much change. But yet after that, the 20s kind of look the same, feel the same. When you turn 30, 30 to 40, you hope you kind of still look the same, you know. Uh, clothes kind of don't fit the same, but it's okay. And then 40 to 50 hits you before you know it. And, um, you know, you start getting weird thoughts about um, doing whatever you got to do. And it goes, how can we walk with God every decade of our life? Right? Every stage of our lives. How can we go? And the last part of this walk, I think, is so uh, important. The third part is walking with God that Enoch did was done in the midst of um, 
everyday ordinary lives, the mundane things in life. And I love that he had children. And so the idea is that he didn't have a spectacular story like Noah and the ark or Jonah and the big fish. He didn't have Moses parting the sea. There was no stories. He was a dad. He was a dad. He took care of his kids. He tried to do what was right. And it's in the midst of that that he walked with God. So walking with God is done in the ordinary, regular things of life. It is not the events. It's not just the retreat. It's not just the trip. It's not just, hey, I'm going to do this in January. Or I'm not just doing it on Sunday. It is done every day. When you're doing your homework, when you're going to work, when you're sitting through traffic, when you're changing diapers, when you're doing laundry. I mean, the things that you do, the regular boring things that are not worthy to post, the regular things of life is where walking with God happens. And this is what happens here. He had other sons and daughters, and he walked with God in this way. You know, and I talked about, boy, you know, when you have a child, it just rocks your world, right? And it changes everything. And uh, from a parent's perspective, um, there are things that I remember when I, especially in first service, we have first steps in, in, in preschool, so there's a lot more young families. And uh, I was telling them all these things, and boy, they just were like, oh yeah, you know, we're desperate, you know, we're in that time, you know, where my bag is filled with diapers and clothes and formula, and there's Cheerio all over, Cheerios all over my car. I remember that, right? Um, it's interesting. Enoch lived for God every day, regardless of the circumstances. And I love that uh, this quote that Os Guinness, Os Guinness uses the word drudgery of life. The things we almost don't want to do, the drudgery of life in his book, The Call. And, and I quote him, he says, drudgery done for ourselves or for other human audiences will always be drudgery. But drudgery done for God is lifted and changed. Drudgery is the touchstone of character. We look for the big things to do. Jesus took a towel and washed the disciples' feet. Drudgery is the touchstone of character. So walking with God starts in how you rest, how you do your homework, how you get work done, how you sit through traffic, how you talk to the ones who live in your household, the patience you demonstrate. It is done in the regular little things. It is Hudson Taylor, the famed missionary of China, who said a little thing is a little thing but faithfulness in a little thing is a big thing right faithfulness is a big thing i want to encourage all of us to walk with god you know this past summer when we went to japan with our team um, i had a chance to sneak away uh, for lunch to meet a missionary friend more like a mentor that i know in japan and uh, um, and there was something there that I just learned so much. Um, so he was a missionary, one of the first missionaries to come from Korea to Japan. Um, and uh, he was doing ministry. He's trilingual, speaks English, Japanese, um, Korean. And uh, he was now ministering in Tokyo, the biggest city in the world. And he was so well connected. Everyone that was doing ministry, uh, missionaries, uh, they all knew who he was. Right? And so I would say, oh, I know this person. And most people from Japan knew who he was. And he would be invited to speak all the time and lead conferences and trainings. And he was very well connected, very relevant. 
However, after the tsunami hit Japan, uh, he and his wife felt like they were called by God to go and take care of these people in Sendai. So they folded up shop of all that they were doing. She was teaching at the university. He was uh, pastoring and speaking. They folded all that up and they went um, to this little rural part of Sendai. And he started a church. He started a gathering. And uh, so I had an appointment and I was going to meet him for lunch at 11.45. And I remember I told him, well, I was about a half hour away and I was going to drive over and meet him. So I, I got there. And I got there about 20 minutes early. You know, Japanese culture is if you're on time, you're actually late, right? So I got there early. And actually, he was late. So, um, so you know, actually, anyways, um, uh, <laughs> the Japanese side of me said, oh, I'm offended. But then, um, anyways, it didn't bother me. But he was late in the sense that I got to the lot and he was doing a Bible study. He was in a building, a storefront that used to be a 7-Eleven that got wiped out by the tsunami, the water and the cars that went into it. And so it's now turned into a little church. It's no bigger than a quarter of this room. And so I parked in the lot and I could see right through the glass and he's sitting on this little table. And he's in his early 60s. And everyone sitting around at this table was far older than him. And there was about seven people, six women and one uh, older gentleman. And he's leading this Bible study. And it was at that moment I was sitting there watching and waiting. And I was, God was just, it was like he was talking to me like, Look at him serve. This is what it is. This is what walking with me means. It's not about the audience. It's not about the event. It's not about something big. This is it. This is faithfulness. And I remember just getting humbled through that whole lunch ordeal with him. I waited, and then I went in as uh, um, my time at 11.45 was coming up, and I went in, and he was so happy to see me. He called me over, sat me down, and they were wrapping things up, and now I'm surrounded by... Uh, him and then a group of senior citizens, these grandmas. They start pulling out snacks and they're giving me snacks, right? It was all soft. I was like, kind of for older people, right? I'm like, okay, <laughs> wasn't too sweet. And I'm like, well, I don't know what it is. Thank you, thank you. And tea and, uh, and these snacks and I ate it. So we're supposed to go out to lunch. So I'm expecting him to now say, okay, hey, see you guys. Um, I'm, I got lunch plans. So I was looking forward to that, but he says, hey, now, these are all people in their 70s and 80s, I'm guessing. They have nothing to do, right? But he asked them, hey, I'm going to lunch with this young pastor. If you're not, is anyone busy? Anyone free for lunch? Of course they're free for lunch, I was thinking. And they said, oh, well, I'm free, I'm free, oh, I'm free. And he looks at me and goes, should we all go together? And I said, no, no, I didn't say that. I, <laughs> I said, yeah, of course, you know, we should go together. So we go to lunch. Now I have um, a caravan of grandparents that are going with us to lunch. It's not what I envision. We eat lunch. And I watch him and as he orders each thing for them, he makes sure that their seats are set and he's serving them. And it's just a humbling time. We go up to this hilltop park and we get a view of where the tsunami hit. And, and then right up, there's a little shack where they have snacks. And then he looks at me and he asks them, it was a hot day, and he asks them, you, do you guys like shave ice? And all the grandmas, oh yeah, we love shave ice. I said, let's go eat shave ice. And so now we go eat shave ice, and I, I, I said, oh, let me pay for it. And I watch him serve these people with delight. Um, there was no fanfare, there was no applause. He didn't move to something bigger, he moved to where there was nothing. And he is serving, and he is living every day. And it was one of those moments as I was driving back afterwards. I said, man, I was like, I learned so much. God was teaching me so much. 
What matters is not the applause of men or the, uh, the popularity that we seek so much. It's walking towards God, doing the little things well. And I don't know if you look at your life and you compare it to someone else or you think about the dreams you might have and you say, boy, my life is so mundane and ordinary and boring. But it is in the midst of that that God says to walk with him. Most of us are not going to be on magazine covers or going to be doing, an, or doing big historical things for the Christian world, but in our little homes, in our world, with our friends at work, at school, we get to make an impact and we get to live it out. Friends, January is going. We're on the 20th, 2019 already. And we're walking towards him. The faith that we have in Christ allows us to walk towards him. And my prayer for us is that we don't waste our time. And all the little things that you do, all the responsibilities that you have, you would do it to the Lord. That you would wake up every day. And would you even start tomorrow and just make a checklist. Say, God, um, today help me to spend some spend. 10 minutes reading the Bible. God, today, help me to speak kindly to the people around me. God, today, help me to pray. Um, help me, Lord, to reach out to someone. God, would you watch how I work? Help me not to complain so much, God. Fill my mouth with joy. And would you make a checklist each day? And at the end of the night, would you look it over and say, God, I think I walked with God today. I walked in the right direction today. Today was a success, not because I did well on a test or got a raise or did this. Today was a success because I lived my day for the Lord. And that is what we want. Listen to these words one more time as I close. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. May we live so that our description of our days would be described as, this guy walked with God, she walked with God. And may we be so pleased to live in that way. Uh, let's pray together. Thank you, Lord that the faith that you give to us in Christ allows us to walk with you in the right direction, following you, heading back towards you. So each day, God, is so important. We want to walk with you. We want to live for you. We want to do it for the long haul. It's not for the young or it's not for the grown-ups or it's not for the um, teenagers. It's not when life is calm. God, in the, the hectic mess of daily the daily life, the ordinary life that we live. God, we want to walk with you. Tomorrow, God, as some of us get back to work or do the things that we have to do, God, we do it for you. We want to live each day for you. We want to walk with you as Enoch did. Teach us that kind of faith, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.